Welcome to the Infamous Hour Live. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus, all social media platforms at the Infamous Amadeus. And in case you've been on Mars or Pluto or Jupiter, whatever planet you came from, the Infamous Hour is the hottest podcast slash radio show in the country every single Thursday. 9 p.m. EST, Boom Bap Nation. We bring an amazing experience where we bring legendary artists to the Boom Bap Nation platform. And as always, I have my right hand, my compadre, who's in the building, Tone Vieira. What's up? Yo, what up, Inf? Man, you weren't kidding when you said this is the best podcast. Listen, the caliber of people you're able to pull on this show is crazy. It just goes to show the amount of, um, you know, years you've put in the game and the amount of respect you have by, you know, all the all these dudes in hip-hop. And today's guest is, is no exception to that. It's probably the biggest name we've had in a while. Yeah, that, that, that is a fact. So uh, today's guest on the right side needs no introduction he is your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, favorite producer's oh. favorite producer. Been active since 88. We're going to cover I'm the King all the way down to the rear view. I'm sure there's some other Crazy. tracks that we don't know about that we're going to tap in. Diamond D, welcome to the Infamous Hour. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be here, Inf. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah, most definitely. So so what is different about the rear view radio run as opposed to, to some of the albums you've had? Obviously, we're in a different time. We've been right, dealing with right. COVID. We've been dealing with, with <laughs> social media. So, so how is this experience different than the other projects you put out? The radio run, it's not, it's not really different, um, you know, as far as, you know, moving around and promoting the album. But um, it seems like for the for the new album, for the rear view, uh, I'm just a little more focused. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm moving around. You know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do the radio with a, you know, with a, with, with a, with a whole entourage. Um, you know, I'm more business right now at this point. So I would just say just the focus, just the focus is a little more laser sharp mm-hmm. at this point. Now, you gave a, a great um, description as to why you titled the album The Rear View. You say yeah. you've been working with a lot of new artists on this one. Right. Who are some of the new artists that you got on this album? Uh, my man Ashton Martin. He's from out of Atlanta. Um, of course, Westside Gun, Stacey Epps. Um, my brother KP is another new artist. And, you know, I always, I always got to have an OG on there. So I snatched up my man Paz the News from De La Soul. Okay. That was uh, a huge man, feature. You know, we we all know. Inf knows. You know, pause. He don't do too many um, guest features for yeah. people. So you know, I, I I was I was lucky enough to snatch that up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, when, when fans watch this interview and, and they're gonna go to the catalog, they're gonna for the new fans, they'll start right. at rear view, and they'll and they'll go back. But the the stunts, blunts, and hip hop turns um, dirty next month. But but it's not on the DSPs. Is there a specific yes, reason it why it's not on Apple Music or is it listed? Nah, it's on there. But you know, people look under Diamond D. Mm-hmm. Diamond D is not credited to that album. Is there a specific it's Diamond reason and why? the Psychotic Neurotics? Mm-hmm. So if you look under Diamond and the Psychotic Neurotics, boom, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fans, yeah, make sure you. A lot of people ask me that. You're like, yo, why I can't yeah. find Stunts and Blood? And I ask them, well, what name did you surf? Yeah. You say Diamond D. I go, Diamond D's not on that album. That <laughs> album not credited to Diamond D. It's credit to Diamond and the Psychotic Neurotics. So for all the fans out there looking for it, put in Diamond and the Psychotic Neurotics, and Stunts Blunt should come up. Mm-hmm. So I got a question out of straight curiosity, yeah. right? Like, I'm sure you get hit up a lot by especially newer artists to work with you. Is there, like, a process you have in how you, how you select who you want to work with, or do you just do you just take anybody inquiry and say all right we can work together to make some magic happen Nah, i mean you know i'm you know i'm still a fan i'm still a fan of of, of the bar work 
You know, if if, if your bars, if your bars are if your bars are up and where they need to be, and I see something special in you, you know, I'll gravitate towards you. You know, the same thing for, for um, artists who looking for production. You know, I'm not just going to take the money. You know, I want to see you know how good your skills are. You know, at this point, you can't you can't just attach your name to anything. You know, um, that's one of the things I learned in this business. Don't don't just jump to attach your thing, attach your name to anything. You know, try to attach yourself to something of substance. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. You know, a, a lot of the fans that that tap in as far as like them actually digging in the crates, like no pun intended. You know, they they remember right. the Ultimate Force project, obviously. And then we spoke a little bit about the I'm the King record. But what was hip hop like? Previous to that, for you personally, previous to '88, um, I mean, I'm in high school, you know what I mean. So, you know, dancing a lot, you know, um, you know, I was a big fan of Slick Rick, um, Big Daddy Kane, Eric B and Rakim. You know, I was just immersed in the culture. You know, I, you know, I was also doing a little bit of graffiti. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if you came up in, in the '80s. Like you know, you did a little bit of everything, you know. Some, you know, you, either you DJed or you rhymed or you did both, you know, or you did the human beatbox, you know, and, and, and you did the electric boogie, you know. When you're that young, you just immersed in the culture, you know what I mean. So, you know, of course, I always, I always wanted to make records, but at that time, I was just focused on being a DJ. So that's what I was doing, like you know, in the '80s, mid to late '80s, I was a DJ. My projects, as far as projects up in the South Bronx, and um, that was my um, that was my gateway into it. Yeah. And I uh, recently saw this article. It was talking about Dr. Dre over the pandemic, recorded over two hundred and forty songs. Yeah, I saw that. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Focused. <laughs> nah, I just got to ask you flat out: you, you competing yeah. with that? Are you doing those kind of numbers as well? I'm not doing. Those kind of numbers, you know, what I mean, I didn't, I didn't record two hundred songs over the pandemic, but um, I did do a lot of work. You know, I I, I produced the um, the Gotham album for, for Tyler Pauly, and um, I was, and, and also during the pandemic, I was starting to gather some of the beats that you hear now on the Real View album. You know what I mean? So I was, you know, I was still proactive. So, quick follow up: any of the beats on this album, would you say that you? Uh you had something maybe from the '90s that you maybe you shelved and you re kind of like repurposed mm -hmm. a little bit. Or it was all fresh beats. Yeah, all fresh beats, even the ones that sound like you know that era. Everything is everything is new. Yeah, yeah. you know I, I I'm gonna have actually Nikki D on the show and 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 I believe that she was Shout first. Shout out to Nikki. Yeah, she she was on the Apache Joint. You produced one one record on there. And she's right. the first. Um, you no know, hip hop female artists that was signed to Def Jam, and we, mm -hmm. we ultimately like, we connected on social media, so we have like a lot of conversations about right. who was the first. Like you got Coke Rock, you got Busy B, he was a guy. But but in your opinion, where do you think the culture of hip hop actually started? Obviously, we know the famous story, right? Uh, uh, cool Herc and Coke Rock. Right. But previous to that, was there an emerging hip hop? Previous culture? to Herc? Yeah, previous. No, I don't think so. Herc was the first one to like play break beats, if mm -hmm. you will. He was the first one to do that. Um, from what I was told, he couldn't, you know, according, according to a lot of people who were there back then, he, he didn't know how to cut on time. Mm -hmm. He would just throw the record on yeah. and then find the part, just throw it on. You know, um, but um, when Flash came around, Flash figured out how to keep the break 
keep the break beat going on time. Make it technical. Make it like a continuous yeah. loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bam Bot is the one who pulled it all together. So, you know, that's that's the way I feel hip-hop started. You know, it was, it was a big debate online about uh, did Jamaicans start it? Mm-hmm. You know, did blacks and Latino people start it? Um, Herc is from Jamaica, right? So, you know, we give him that. He's the founder of hip-hop. But it's not like Jamaicans were at hip-hop jams toasting on the mic, mm-hmm. shit like that. Um the idea of zero, zeroing zero, zeroing in on the break part of the record, you know, we can attribute that to Herc. Um, but Flash is the one who made it seem seamless. So, you know, to answer that question, I think it's a, it's a little bit of all three, a little bit of Jamaican, yeah. a little bit of black and Latinos. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the South Bronx back then, mm-hmm. there weren't too many Jamaicans. They were mainly based in the North Bronx, up around White Plains Road. You know, that's just facts. So, 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 why do you think, like, amongst like the '70s hip hop community, there's so much confusion, right? Because depending on who you ask, everyone has different opinions, right? So, if you're from the Rosedale section, they say Disco King Mario. If you're from this right. section, they say Flash. If you're from High Bridge, it's it's Herc. So, so, what do you think the miscommunication happens? It's not really no mis- miscommunication. Herc is Herc was the first one. He's credited with being the first one. You know, Matt Mario, um, who had an incredible sound system that rivaled Hertz. You know, maybe even better. But from from what it was taught to me, Mario was more disco based. He was more of a disco DJ, but but he also played breaks. Mario would let um Bam Bada use his equipment before Bam even acquired his own. So it's tricky. You know, and then um few years later flash comes up so but like, yeah, i hear different stories too and yeah. so it's crazy but it's definitely those three oh, four rather yeah. include mario as yeah. we should on that on that same thought about the early pioneers uh we you recently did an interview on rock the bells with grandmaster kaz and shaw rock dope now i remember when um i had approached them to see if they'd have any interest in interviewing with you it was a definite hell yeah from them Right. And how does it make you feel to know that, like, you know, people of their pedigree, you know, Shaw Rock being the first female MC and Grandmaster Cass being credited right. as one of the original I pioneers? Mean, any like, hip hop artist from my from my era, you know, and, and maybe even after mine, you know, to have a pioneer, to have to have a pioneer, you know, show you love like that, and you know, just want to do the interview, you know, it's the equivalent of uh, a new, a new, a new rock artist being okayed by the Rolling Stones, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, in this genre of music, everybody wants to be respected, you know, by the people who came before them. You know what I mean. So, for Grandmaster Kaz and Shaw Rock to do that, you know, that was that was definitely a hundred percent all love. And, you know, I really appreciated that, and I told them that when I saw them the other day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, th- there's no way we can not have you here without asking, you know, Big L, Big Pun um, questions. And I kind of feel like when we talk about the top MCs, them names get lost um, in-, in the conversation, primarily because of catalog. I mean, Big L had more records, obviously, than Pun, right. but, um, you know, Pun may have not had enough records. When it comes to the, the Hispanic hip-hop community, we definitely respect it. But right. what do you think are the similarities and differences between pun 
and Big L. And do you think New York hip hop will be different had they not had um, passed away? It, I think it definitely would have been different when you look at the amount of um, the amount of accolades they um, they received. You know, with only one or two albums. You know what I mean? Same thing. Same thing with Biggie. You know, if all three of them were still here, you know, the landscape would definitely be di- um, different. And you know, I think hip hop as as a whole suffered from their losses. Mm-hmm. Um, all incredible lyricists, you know, just definitely going too soon. Yeah. You know? Who's who's like an artist outside of New York that you just you really gravitated towards, like their sound and, and their overall like catalog? Outside of New York, yeah. Um, well, like, histor- like, like, histor- like, historically, yeah. um, the Licks, okay. Cypress Hills, uh, Razkaz, okay, you know, Twister, um, got me on the spot here, but yeah, not somebody that you just heard and you were like, Yo, I, I, w- I would love to work with that person. Oh, like that. Um, what's this dude's name? Um, he got a new song out called Lizzo. Is it, is it Mon- Monroe Brown or Morris Brown? I don't know. But but the song is called Lizzo. It's a new single. He got like three million streams. Three million um three million streams. I forgot his name, but I definitely want to work with him. I, for, I forgot the brother's name. But the song is called Lizzo. Lizzo. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of times when we have like these conversations about the state of hip hop, I yeah. find that particularly New York people are, are, are aggravated, right? Because, you know, th- there's multiple reasons. One, hip-hop started here. It seems like Southern hip-hop has a dominance. And two, New York radio doesn't play New York artists. Um, in, in, in your experience in a 30-year in span, mm-hmm. is, is there a particular or specific reason why, in your opinion, you think that this happened? I don't know why New York radio doesn't play New York I can see why maybe other cities don't, because you know, motherfuckers hit motherfuckers in New York were arrogant. You know, we we were hard on the West Coast, we were hard on the South, we were hard on the Midwest, we were hard on anybody outside of New York. And you know about karma, shit came back and bit bit New York in the ass. So I would attribute that to some of it. You no, know, New York, you know, we 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 were haters. You know, and since it, you know, it, it, it started here, you know, so niggas had chips on their shoulders. Um, I don't know why some New York DJs don't support it. You know, I feel you should always support your own, but keep the keep the caliber keep keep the caliber and the and the quality of the hip hop yeah alive. Don't just like I'm not just gonna fuck with somebody because they from New York. That don't make no motherfucking sense. You know, you got to have some talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that would be my answer. Yeah. But wh- why do you think it, it specifically that New York artists haven't been receptive? Not all New York artists. For example, like you, you did the remix of the Outkast joint on the Southern Playeristic. Right. Uh, you know, and, and you've worked with multiple artists, the Licks. I mean, right. you have some Tupac <laughs> stories that, that we spoke about at SiriusXM. But why do you think... New York artists weren't receptive to Southern hip hop, and ultimately, looking back twenty years down the line, was that a mistake? Close-minded, you know. Um, the 
way the way a motherfucker might talk, the accent, the slang words, how they dress, you know, all of those things, you know, I think attributed to it. You know, like, you know, just for the most part, just keep it a buck. New York hated on everybody. You know, after after NWA, that kind of broke broke through the West Coast. You know, the South came a little later, but you know, like I said, it started here, so motherfuckers have chips on their shoulders. And that that's just that's just my my truth. That's how I saw it. What could have been done differently? Could could it have been like just because uh, the New York artists weren't embracing enough, or is it just like you said, maybe, the arrogance? Maybe. So it just showed the other parts of the country. Well, you know, fuck New York. We we gonna, we gonna do us. If New York get it, they get it. If they don't, fuck them. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm from New York, and, you know, I can say that honestly. You know, I really think that's what happened. Yeah. Nobody, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's not no one answer, but um, arrogance. Yeah. Arrogance. Yeah. Nobody likes an arrogant motherfucker. You know what I mean? So you, if you got a whole state that's arrogant, just New York City specifically. Mm. You know, even even um Griselda movement, you know, it took a while for Buffalo to break. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you look how old hip hop is, you know, so I just think it was just just the arrogance of hip hop starting here. You know? Yeah, but most definitely. Uh, this is Infamous Hour Live. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus. Diamadeus here. We are scanning the chat right now, actively looking for questions. Oftentimes, we have top five MC conversations. This happens multiple times of year. I've literally been thrown in the middle of this. But in your opinion, who is the greatest lyricist you've ever heard, personally? Like, who was the guy that was undoubtedly like, this is the greatest rap I've ever heard? I would put Big Pun up there. Mm. I, I would put big pun up there. It's just, you know, the delivery, the flow, the cadence. You know, he had everything. You know, so, you know, it, it's a lot. But, you know, I would, if, if I had to grab one off top at this second, I would say big pun. You have a story of working with him in an actual studio? Like, can you tell us about, like, his, his um, process? One story I had, um, you know, big pun. When I was recording the second album, Hatred, Passions, and Infidelity. Um, Pun came in, and he laid a verse down on the joint. And I was supposed to go back to it, but then um, you know, he passed away. So I still have that verse. I got to just, it's on it, you know, back then, they had, they had the two-inch reels. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I got to pull that reel out and try to dump it over, you know, digitally to Pro Tools or Logic. Um, but he came in there, went in the booth, one take, he smashed it. And um, I wanted to get Big L on there, but after he got, after he got, after he passed away, um, I never, I never went back to it. But I still have that verse, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get to hear that sometime yeah. soon. Here in the Infamous Hour, we have a top five segment. We have top five MCs, rappers, chicken wings, all types of different things. <laughs> so my question for you, and listen, this is truly on the spot. And I saw a top five producer thing that that, that you were talking about, and people right. were going crazy. I see Pete Rock in there, but let's take it one step further. <laughs> top five producers with bars all time. Top five producers that can rap. Diamond, diamond, diamond. <laughs> nah, let me stop. <laughs> shout, shout, out to, shout out to my man Dylon. Right? Um, producers who spit. Wow. Who write their own bars. Okay. 
Let's be clear. A lot of them don't write their own shit. Yeah, and you know, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, if you got a team behind you and, and somebody's better with the pen, yeah. then let them dribble for you. Yeah. Um. Wow. All right. This this is this is my today's answer because okay. you know okay. it varies. Producers, best producers who rhyme, that write their own shit. As far as I'm concerned, um, I like knots. I like his. I like his bars. I like his bars. Okay. I like I like Jay Diller's bars when, when he was still here. Mm-hmm. Um. I gotta put Grand Pooh by Maxwell in that conversation. Okay. Because he produced the bulk of, of of the Brand Nubian album. He does. He doesn't really get the credit. Um. Three. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> so many. What would you what would you consider Lord Finesse? More I, of an MC I, than I would consider him a rapper that knew how to make beats. Okay, because he's he's super polished, right? In my opinion, right? You know, as opposed to someone like Havoc, is like Havoc is like right. you could tell he was a producer that he learned how to rap along the way. I definitely would add Havoc to that. I would add, I would add, add, add havoc to that, and um, large professor, large professor, nice. top five, no doubt. That was a great list. That was a super amazing list. I mean, that that, that was super dope. Right. So, so as far as Bronx hip hop, right? Because Bronx, obviously, Bronx created hip hop, right. right? And the sound in hip hop has changed completely. Like you got guys like a Boogie, you got Lil TJ. I mean, right. you have these younger artists. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the OGs in general didn't do their due diligence as far as installing the original principles of hip hop into the younger generation? It's almost like, you know, back in the day, like the OGs would put you on Al Green and Earth, Wind and Fire <laughs> and, you know, and they would make sure like, yo, this ain't rap, go back. Do you think that maybe the OGs missed a step? I don't know if that? it was really the OGs responsibility. I mean, mm. you can steer someone, but ultimately um, a person has to want to learn. Yeah. You know, and some artists are open to that, and other artists just want to just you know do it, do something new, and do it their own way. So you know that there there is no right or wrong to it. Um, but to answer your question, I, I don't think it was the responsibility of OGs to go listen. You should you should only sound like this. You know, I think it's the responsibility of OGs to you know say well you know there's there's five elements. You know, if anything, just teach teach the youth the five elements um, of hip hop. Like you can't really dictate how someone should spit or how someone should make a beat. Um, all you can do is just offer your offer your guidance and your opinions, mm. and it's up to the individual whether they receive it or not. Mm. Ultimately, ultimately, correct. What would you do differently? Like now, at this point, you know, we have like the internet. And which I feel like people always say like 2004 was that time where like hip hop stopped being what it what it was. Really, that's when it, things kind of yeah, like why, shifted. Why, a little why, bit. why 2004? Around think? around that time is when the internet rose really high. It was like the time that YouTube really became like a, a household thing. Uh, I mean, the internet probably just broadened it more. You know, at one time, you know, um, if we lived in New York, you know, we had all the new all the new gear. All the new clothing, and it wasn't until Yo MTV Raps came along, where the rest of the country kind of caught up, to saw how you know saw how we was dressing, you know the the lingo, the 
the whole thing. So I think the internet just broadened that out. Mm-hmm. And it's actually easier now, you know, to um get yourself heard. You know, when I was coming up, there was no internet. You know, there was no social media. So, you know, you had to go out there and touch the streets mm-hmm. and create your own buzz, create your own movement. Whereas now you can just post a bunch of videos and get about 100,000 followers if you're savvy enough. Mm-hmm. So I think the internet, if anything, it, it, it enhanced it. I wouldn't say it, it diminished it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, you know here, here at the Infamous Hour on Boom Bap Nation, we have like a very like 35 to 55, you know, collar fan base that, that, that right. they work every day. And, and the people that are watching this right now, a lot of them, instead of going to listen to the rear view, they would go back into the catalog. And it's almost like hip hop fans have been programmed that way. Right, so instead of listening to you know Westside uh, Nas new joint with um who's Hit Boy, right. they will go back to Illmatic or they will go back to I Am. In your opinion, how do we change that? How do we get people to actually reconnect the same way in the '90s to the new content that's coming out? It's all in the music, you know. If you it don't matter whatever you came from, you know '90s, 2000s, 2010. If, if the music is what it's supposed to be, um. It's going to resonate, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I, I do agree that, you know, a lot of old heads, you know, they, they want to go back to their classic. There's no, nothing wrong with that. Music reminds you of different things. It, you know, it, it can remind you of a, of a good time in your life or a bad time in your life. A lot of people gravitate toward music that, that was big in their teens because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it reminds them of being in their teens. Yeah, it's almost like going backwards so or holding on to a certain part of your it's life. It's the same thing yeah. with R&B. You know, if if I put on a Marvin Gaye record, it's going you know take me back to my childhood. You know, if if I listen to Tank, I'm thinking you know I'm thinking about smashing somebody tomorrow night. You know, so you know the music it it it, it definitely guides you, and you know that's my reason why I think people are more nostalgic, um, but. That's why I, that's part of the reason why I named my album The Real View. You know, whatever you did in the past, honor it, respect it. Your past is what made you. Always be proud of your accomplishments, whatever you've done. But don't live in the past. Always look forward. Always look to the next thing. You know, I'm I, I'm proud of my past, but I don't live in it. You know what I mean? So that's just my personal view on it. Yeah. And the rear view is, is um, definitely like a polished, great piece of work. Thank you. I got to, I got to listen to some of the songs, amazing. And um, we're gonna keep playing them, you know, yeah, on the down. radio. But let's say somebody was new to you know, learning about you. Well, how would you preface um, setting up with them and letting them listen to your album? What would you tell them right before they're about to press play? I wouldn't say nothing to them. Just play the music. <laughs> Just press the play, play button. The music, you know what I mean? Facts. Play the music. You, know, you, you can give somebody a fucking speech. If the shit yeah. is trash, they're going to be like, fam said all that for this bullshit. <laughs> Just press play, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, that's definitely. So so we have this new project out now, The Rear View. It is out now. Um, what can the fans expect when they go when they go listen to this album? It's, are they getting the traditional Diamond well, D yeah, sound? Yeah, you know, just, you know, the bars are sharp. Okay. You know, witty, clever. Sure. 
you know, all the beats are bang. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. boom bap artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, true blue boom bap artist. So mm-hmm. I went in the studio knowing that, you know, my album probably wouldn't get, you know, any spins or any power stations or, you know, any power urban stations. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it's not a trap joint on there. You know, it's not a drill joint on there. And, you know, and I like both of those genres. But I would never alienate the people who've been rocking with me this long. Mm-hmm. Just to jump into something new, yeah. you know what I mean. So if anybody been fucking with me, anybody familiar with my work, um, especially the last three joints, the Don Peace album, the Don Peace two, mm-hmm. the Gotham album that I put out last year with Talib Kweli, if, if you're familiar with all three of those, then you know what to expect on on the Don on, on the rear view. But the difference with the rear view is I'm front and center, whereas those last three albums, I just. I was like occasional. I was more focused on being a producer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is still my first love. So, yeah. Yeah. If you can go back in your catalog, for example, and, and for a new Diamond D fan, right? So, like, I remember, like, you did some joints for, like, Scientific. And, like, right. A, a bunch of, like, classic joints. Yeah. Um, we, was on, we were on the same label at one time. Chemistry Records. Mm-hmm. Ed O.G., myself, Scientific Brigade. Yeah. But so if you can go back and, and let's say a fan wanted to dig in the crates and they wanted to find like a true Diamond D production record, right? Mm. Like what, what song would that be? Probably Sally Got a One Track Mind. Mm-hmm. You know, Sally Got a One Track Mind, Best Kept Secret, uh, Freestyle, Yo, That's That Shit. You know, anything from the Stunts Blunts album. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, you know, you, you can go on the punk strip up to get beat down, you know. Um, the Lord Finesse joints I did, you know, um, the Digging in the Craze joints, the Alcoholics, Exhibit, um, House of Pain. You can re- revisit all of those joints. And um, But if I had to tell somebody to pick one record that would summarize me, it would be Superman. Superman? Yeah, which was on the Don Peace album. Superman. That's one of my favorite joints. And, you know, I love performing it on stage. That's one of my favorite joints right there, Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Diamond D. One last question from me. And this is this is a big question, all right? When you was when you were with West Side Gun, who was wearing more jewelry? You or him? Oh, <laughs> I, I think West got me. Oh man, yeah, West got me. Shouts out to West Side Gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt. Yeah, you know, um, often fans when when they watch guys like you and Ag and and Lord Finesse and even Joe to a certain extent, right? They always have this question like, why we didn't get more DITC albums, like mm. official albums? Obviously, we have mixtape joints, we have production and crossover records. What is the reason why we didn't actually get more like full group records? Maybe too many people in the group, maybe label situations. What was the... Uh... Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, everybody doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm still team DITC, but, you know, again, you know, I'm always looking forward to the next thing. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is no one answer, but, you know, if, if it happens again, I, you know, I, I, I would embrace it. Most definitely. Final question to the fans that are watching right now on Boom Bap Nation of the Infamous Hour. Mm. New album out, The Rear View. Talk about it, and why should the fans tap into this project? Well, uh, if you like Boom Bap, you know what I mean? Um, no watered-down hip-hop, just straight, hard beats, hard rhymes, definitely check for The Rear View. 
Um, I got some of the top producers on there with me. My man Knotts, mm-hmm. um, my man Focus. Focus works with Dr. Dre often. Um, my man Brady Beats, my man Drug Beats, my man Lynn Funk from down in VA. Um, they produced six songs. The other seven I produced. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to the album as a whole, it flows it flows fluid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you, you know, you wouldn't think that it had six additional producers on there and me. So it's actually seven producers all together if you add me. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the album has like a, a a good a good flow, a good a good theme mm-hmm. to it. Where all the songs just go right into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of new artists I wanna say sequencing is very important. How you sequence your album. You know what I mean? So I feel it's one of my. I feel it's one of my best albums, if not my best album. You know, I, I you know I'm definitely in a better lyrical space than I, than I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, you know, f- you know, for the fans who like boom bap hip hop, definitely check out the rear view. Mm-hmm. All right, make sure you tap into the rear view. Now, final question: Yeah, where do you think the future of hip hop music is going? Like for me personally, I think lo fi. Mm. Specifically, um, because what's different between lo-fi and boom bap, in your opinion? Um, I think it, it depends because lo-fi is originally study music, and the drums were originally like trap. Okay. Initially, right? All so right. it was like a slower drum pace, and then it's almost like they took like the boom bap drums and made chill hop. It remind me right? of like some of Dilla beats. So, some of Dilla beats, but if you actually right. listen to lo-fi, like just lo-fi specifically, it's only like one drum, one snare. It's like a very simplistic pattern. Mm. And then they created Chill Hop, which is which is kind of like it's kind of like your beats back in the day. They just okay. kind of just named it. But where do you think ultimately, like final question, hip hop is going? What is the future of hip hop? Is it the robotic sound? We just saw somebody get signed to Capitol Records who was an AI, right? Yeah. For example, right? That went left real quick. But 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 <laughs> the fans, the fans, and actually have some content coming is the fans should have expected that. I mean, they've been doing robotic voices since two thousand and eight. So what do you think? Yeah. The labels but are I gonna think, come and get a robotic you know, person? Uh, for a white AR to be saying nigga this and nigga that and nigga that. Yeah. You know, even Capitol Records say, Hey, we apologize. You know, we respect the you know the, the the sensitivity of the of the African American community. I think that's where, you know, people are like, nah, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We can't do this. So, if it does happen down the line with the robotics, um, I don't know. It's crazy, but you know, I, but I am glad that they got dude up out of there. And I don't, I don't know what the hell Capitol Records was. I don't know what the hell Capitol Records was thinking about. You know what I mean? So, you know, and then I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of of, of, of the drill movement. Like it? Yeah. yeah, I like that shit. No doubt. Definitely. Right. That's that's super dope. Diamond yeah. D on the infamous hour. New album out now called The Rear View. Tone Vieira, where they can find you, where they can listen to you on the radio. I'm on all platforms at tone.vieira, T-O-N-E dot V-I-E-R-A. Monday through Fridays on Shade 45 and Rock the Bells. Mm. For sure. Diamond D, social media. 
D I um Diamond D I T C one word Diamond D I T C. Of course, and of course, I'm the infamous Amadeus, Sirius XM, Shade 45, every single Thursday, noon EST for the new hip-hop picks, and 3 p.m. EST for the throwback classics, and of course, subscribe to the infamous hour, follow Boom Bap Nation, I got Isnis here, man, fuck is this is in the building, he's in the cut, man, this guy's the mastermind and the architect of all Boom Bap that's going down right. on social media. Till next time, stay safe, stay COVID-19 free, and stop fucking these bitches raw, you get monkeypox, right, see you later. <laughs>